What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday morning. Week 3 of the NFL is just about finished. we got Steelers, Buccaneers, and that means that we're going to take an hour now and just troll Ryan Wilson about whether or not the Steelers will fall to 1, uh, oh, no, 0, oh, 2, and 1? What are they, 1, two, one, one and 1? Um, whatever, 0, oh, 2, and 1 is the possibility on the table for the Steelers. Uh, much darker times for other NFL teams, including the Patriots and the 49ers. We'll get to all the week three action from Sunday in a second. Joining me here, this is Will, I'm Will Brinson, by the way, I'm your host. This is a daily NFL show, so you should subscribe, rate, and review. Joined on the phone, we'll go in order of uh, authority around these parts. Ryan Wilson first. How's it going, buddy? Thank you for patronizing me. I'll take it. You're welcome. John Breach, how you, how you hanging? If you were going by who brushes the, their teeth the most, that would have been me. <laughs> and Sean Wagner, how's it going, buddy? It's actually Wagner McGough, and this is a disturbing trend that you keep doing where you're cutting off half my last name. Um, Get a so shorter last just, name. I just didn't need to address it right now because I feel like I'm getting shortchanged here. I you like, save me for last, and then you don't even say my full name. Yeah, that is um, that is insulting you twice, and I apologize for that. I am going to let it's you okay, know. Will Bryn. But mine doesn't have a dash. Anyway, this is not what this is not what people are here to talk. Yes, John. Yes, John. Uh, we've only got an hour. I understand why Brinson cut that short. You know, we, we can't just be spewing out everybody's names. That's right. Exactly. I'm trying to cut time and get to the games. First up, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, Sean. It appears that Jimmy G tore his ACL. That is what the 49ers fear. Likely season-ending injury will be a major upset if that's not the case. Speaking of torn ACLs, by the way, my dog is... He's, George just came up into the office and he's, uh, he's decided to lick his, uh, snake wound and like chew at it and it's gotten a little hairy. His leg might fall off in this podcast. Uh, just like Jimmy G's leg might fall off, Sean, which would, uh, be concerning, but it's probably not gonna happen. Um, how, I mean, clearly a devastating blow. If you're the 49ers, are, are you, how worried are you about the long-term state of the 49ers with Jimmy G missing the season? What I think is interesting is that if he does miss the season, he's going to go into 2019 with 10 starts since he entered the NFL. And he's getting paid, what, like $25 million a year. And what I, what I also think is interesting is that if you look at his contract, 2019 for him is going to be a contract year. And I know it sounds like insane to already be talking about, like, oh, what if Jimmy G doesn't work out in San Francisco? But this guy's played in 10 games or started 10 games in his career. After 2019, they can cut him and save $20 million. So if he comes back in 2019. Whoa, 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 dumpster, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you, I'm sorry, did you say they can cut Jimmy Garoppolo? After 2019, there's an out. If they cut him in 2020, um, I think his cap hit is at like 26 and his dead cap's at like four, something like that, four million. And so what I'm saying is I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this is a guy who started 10 games in his career. He's going to enter next season recovering from a torn ACL. And if for some reason, I don't think it will happen, but if the 49ers are a dumpster fire, like at the very least, you're maybe like restructuring his deal um, or cutting him. Well, you know what? I thought we'd get some hot takes this week with the Patriots losing. <laughs> Certainly didn't think one of them would be coming from Sean, John, with him saying that the Patriot, that the 49ers should cut uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you, do you think CJ Beathard can, can help to lead them to any, the playoffs? Um, I do not. I watched the 49ers last season when Jimmy Garoppolo was not on the team for the first nine or ten weeks, and they were the worst football team that I have ever seen in my entire life. That's what I expect to see out of them over the final 13 weeks 
of the year. So I'm 49ers going to top out at about two and 14 without Jimmy. Hey, that's good because they get a draft pick. Maybe they can, uh, you know, obviously they're not going to take a quarterback because they have Jimmy. And, and I do think it's a little crazy talk from Sean talking about releasing Jimmy. Uh, but I do think the 49ers season's over, so let's go ahead and write them off. And that's good news for the Cardinals because now maybe they won't finish in the basement of the NFC West. <laughs> for the record, I don't think even with Jimmy G this year, like to me, it's not. It's a big. It's obviously a big injury and it lowers their like win total. But I don't. I didn't look at them as like a playoff team, and I didn't see anything through the first three games with him to suggest that they were a playoff team. I think. Like that five and oh run he had at the end of last year kind of made it seem like the 49ers were a little bit closer than we think they are. And I think the reality is that this is year two of a rebuild and Jimmy G can't solve everything. And I don't think he was solving everything. I mean, they were down 35 to seven in the first half against the Chiefs. And I know they cut it to like 11 and it ended up being a somewhat close game, but all of that was kind of in garbage time, and they—I think—I think they went into Kansas City and they got blown out with Jimmy G. They did. Okay, but if Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback for the 49ers today, who wins the game? I, I have no idea. But um, and Jimmy G is the quarterback of the Chiefs. No, the Chiefs don't have a quarterback. I think it's the Chiefs don't have quarterbacks. Uh, here's here's the thing that concerns me is that if you look at quarterbacks in the Kyle Shanahan system, it typically takes them like two years to really get rolling. Like Matt Ryan had a bad first year in Kyle Shanahan's system. And once you master that system, you start to really get clicking. Well, Jimmy G's now going to spend the next six to nine months, uh, you know, not working on his offensive mastery of that system. He's going to spend the next six to nine months rehabbing his knee. And so the runway for the 49ers building up to this 2019 potential playoff run, and I think everybody, like you pointed out, Sean, they're a year away anyway. Now all of a sudden, you know, you have to worry about – you know, will you be ready in time, uh, you know, for 2019? And, and will you be ready to operate the offense at the level that, that Kyle Shanahan wants you to? What's the uh, explanation for RG3? He was red hot to start the Shanahan era, and then he just took uh, – he went downhill and took the took the coaching staff with him. The read option. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he – well, he got hurt. That also had something to do with it. He was yeah. sort of the, the reverse of, I guess, whatever else – Success Shanahan has had with sort of you know regular drop back passers, um, but um I, I I sort of not, don't agree with Sean's take on, on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think going five and zero is actually a great indication that your team is probably better than it was when it was one and ten. I didn't say uh, he didn't make them better. That's exactly what you just said. Rewind that the tape. Jimmy G doesn't make the 49ers better. Rewind the tape, Brinson. You said I that. Said, you said oh, that. Oh, Sean, Ryan Sean, let me, Sean, let me rewind were... it. <laughs> I don't think the Jimmy G makes the 49ers better. Yep, you said it, Sean. Yeah, Sorry. see, there we go. But I, I know what you mean, Sean. But my point is I think that they were right to invest all that money in him this offseason. You had to pay him based on those five games where he went 5-0 and after um, Bethard. And who, was Blank Abbott on the team last year? Was he the one that was terrible? I can't even remember. But whoever was before Bethard. Um, the, as John pointed out, the 49ers were incredibly difficult to even watch. So I don't have any issue with what they did in the offseason or the trade, obviously, to get them last uh, October 31st for a second-round pick. But, um, Hoyer. yeah, they, they struggled to start the year. They, they it, weren't great. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was Brian Hoyer, by the way. And, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah, how easy. Yeah, I mean, how easy. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think this is a problem. The 49ers are a team that you're going to fade now. And on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes, that's a team you're not – you can't fade. Like, they're now 3-0 and – 
They were six and a half point favorites in Kansas City. Everybody took the 49ers because they believed that, you know, that Chiefs defense would give them problems. I actually thought the Chiefs defense did a pretty good job getting after Garoppolo. They still should get Eric Berry back at some point. And the next two weeks are going to be big in terms of deciding what, just how high the ceiling is for, for Patrick Mahomes this season because he gets the Broncos and the Jaguars defenses. Two, we think good defenses. The Broncos haven't been very good against the pass this year, um, but could potentially, you know, present a problem for Patrick Mahomes. Um, what are the odds breach that, that Patrick Mahomes slows down in the next two weeks? Cause he was incredible. Again, they get out to a, a, a huge start and just kind of slow played it down the stretch and, and held off the 49ers and won easily. Uh, I would say the odds are zero percent. Uh, I don't see Patrick Mahomes slowing down at all. He's already got what 13 touchdown passes set the NFL record. He might get 13 more touchdown passes in the (laughs) next two weeks. And here's the thing, like if he gets through these next two weeks and throws, let's say just three touchdown passes a game, he's got the Broncos defense and he's got Jacksonville's defense. So you have two of the best defenses in the NFL. And if he just shreds them, then, you know, nobody's going to stop Patrick Mahomes. So I do not expect the Kansas City Chiefs to slow down at all. And honestly, you know, watching the Patriots tonight, they're supposed to be a contender. Watching Jacksonville today, they're supposed to be a contender. Uh, The Chiefs look hands down, not even close, that anyone's even close to them, like the best team in the AFC. I'm with you. Hey, look. Uh, I will say this, though. The Chiefs lost to the Titans in the playoffs. And they look like with a different quarterback. What was Alex Smith? Alex man. Smith was playing. He, you guys want to like crap on Alex Smith, but he was playing out of his mind for most of his time with with Andy Reid when they were. Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself. How but, can you beat he, that? He wasn't doing what Mahomes. I think like I well, think no, he, he wasn't. Sean, what Alex kidding. Smith was doing. Well, no one's saying you know, that. But it's a completely different team a year ago. I don't think you can throw. Oh, so you had the Titans. You had the Titans beating the Chiefs in that game. I have no idea what I had, but I, no, yeah, you didn't. Why are, we, why are we talking about that game? That game doesn't matter. Well, it does matter look, because what, what, the, the Chiefs start strong and they've been known to fade. That's, that's what, a great what, you're, okay, so what, you're saying that just like it's an Andy Reid thing where like he has September. Yeah. Well, look, it's worth they, it's worth noting that last season through three games against the Patriots, Eagles, and Chargers, three very good teams last year, Alex Smith completed seventy seven point four percent of his passes. Seven hundred. 774 passing yards, that's 9.2 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions for a 132.7 uh, rate. We were talking about him as in, as the MVP a quarter of the season in, and it's possible that we see a big drop-off from, from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, Alex Smith didn't throw his first pick until week nine. That's nuts. And Mahomes is, is operating at a really high level. I think he brings a different – I mean, obviously brings more – Alex Smith is athletic. Yeah, he brings more everything. athleticism, more deep ball. I mean, like he just does so much more well and has this, a much higher ceiling than Alex Smith. But I think at some point, I think it's going to come in the next two weeks. If it does come, we're going to see a, a bump in the road in terms of how he plays. Uh, the Patriots saw a huge bump in the road on Sunday night, and I'm ready. Uh, Sean, you know what? You're full of hot takes tonight. Is Whoa, we just had Breach say there was he, he's going to or Mahomes is going to throw 13 touchdowns in the next two weeks. I think. I'm a level lower on the hot takes. No, no, you said the, the 49ers should cut Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't. Yes. You guys are just putting words in my mouth. I don't think so. You said Alex Smith was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Breach is currently, we're filming this podcast and we're recording this podcast and we're on Skype and Breach is wearing a Zara hat. So it's sort of hard to take, um, anything he says, like, as a true heater. Um, 
Uh, by the way, I'm drinking a delicious uh, Sycamore Brewing Mountain Candy IPA. Pretty pleased with the uh, the distribution here in Raleigh that we got this lovely Charlotte beer here. Sean's chugging bourbon and screaming about Jimmy Garoppolo getting cut. No big deal. Do you, do you have a thought on the Patriots dynasty uh, being dead, Sean? It's going to be the ex- exact opposite of hot. Like this is – we've seen this before. We saw it a couple years ago. I'm not at all worried about the Patriots. And they've got Edelman coming back. they got Josh Gordon. So to me, I think they're going to get better. It, like when it shocked me if they lose to the Dolphins, but I think the AFC that would be shocked. Is it still in that? You would be shocked if they, if lose they the lose Dolphins. at home to the Dolphins. Yeah, is it at home? Yeah. All right, fine. Um, they usually lose in Miami. Um, thanks, thanks for doing the homework, though. <laughs> feisty Ryan tonight. Anyway, I'm like, not it's like somebody made Patriots somebody made Ryan mad. <laughs> we've uh, we've seen this before. <laughs> um, I'm I'm worried about their defense. Um, wait, wait, we have not seen this before. They've lost two games in a row by double digits. That hasn't happened since December 2002, Sean. Wow. So we so haven't seen it 16 years. So Sean hadn't seen it because Sean wasn't alive. Uh, um, that was the most, that was the layup. Come yeah. on. By the way, Tom Brady, 14 to 26, 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was under fire by a bad Detroit defense a lot of the night. And even when he had time to throw, the the secondary did a tremendous job. I mean, Matt, Matt Patricia outcoached Josh McDaniels in a bad, bad way for McDaniels here. And, like, you could see it. They kept double-teaming Gronk and said, we're going to take away Gronk and make you beat us with Philip Dorsett and your pass-catching running backs. And the Patriots weren't able to do it. And Brady looked shook, and he got he got smoked on a, on a big stage. I mean, this is an ugly, ugly loss for the Patriots. It's too straight. This is why they went out and traded for Josh Gordon. But I don't know that Josh Gordon, Ryan, is going to magically come in and make this Patriots team any better. Yeah, we have plenty of examples of the Patriots taking flyers on on uh, guys who were discarded from other teams. Some with success. Randy Moss obviously was a huge success. He was gotten for a fourth round pick. Uh, Breach's guy Corey Dillon came in and had some success before that. But uh, they also signed some guy named Albert Hainsworth, who I don't think worked out very well there. Chad Johnson didn't work out very well there. So Josh Gordon's track record is one of someone who gives zero Fs uh, when it comes to work related stuff, and he doesn't show up or he shows up late. Um, when he's not being suspended for, you know, substance abuse related stuff. He's so we'll the see. Ryan, he's the Ryan Wilson of the. He is the Ryan Wilson, uh, a little handsomer uh, of, uh, NFL football. So we'll see. I mean, there's really no reason for the Patriots not to do it. And there's a lot of reasons for the Browns, you know, not to do it as well. I mean, there's plenty of reason for the Patriots to do it. And the Browns sort of silly gave, gave away what could be a great player to the Patriots. But I mean, the track record is spotty. Um, that said, and I don't want to do this, but I do have to agree with Sean. I'm not really worried about the Patriots. They've started slow before. Um, they've been, they were one and two back in 2012. They went 12 and four. They went to the Super Bowl. Uh, they went to the AFC Championship game, lost to the Ravens. And they started two and two, um, in the last three or four years. And, and they both times went to the Super Bowl, won one against Seahawks and lost to the, uh, the Falcons. Uh, not the Falcons, sorry. The last year they lost to, to the, uh, to the Eagles. So not a huge deal. Part of me wonders if it's even a conspiracy where, Tom uh, Belichick wanted to make Patricia look good because we were last week we were literally having the conversation. That's the hottest. Take this is a hot podcast. We were talking <laughs> last week about pay, about Patricia getting fired uh, because he he wasn't as good as Jim Caldwell. So I'm I'm telling you, don't be surprised when it comes out. Patriots have a pretty friendly schedule coming up: Dolphins at home, Colts at home, Chiefs at home, at the Bears. That's a layup. At the Bills. That's a layup. Uh, and then they get the, <laughs> you want to, uh, Sean's giving me the finger there. Um, and look, they, I mean, they're one and two, but they played the Jaguars who were good and they, they lost to the Lions at home in a primetime game where the Lions were desperate. They haven't played a single team in the AFC East. 
Like they've can got... I ask you a serious question? You can always ask me a serious question. <laughs> I'll put this to the put this to the crew. It, like straight up, if you were um, Matt Nagy, would you rather have Mitch Trubisky playing against Tom Brady or Aaron, um, Andrew Luck throwing Andrew, popcorn passes? Andrew Luck. But, no, I mentioned that because they had to bring in Jacoby Brissett to throw bombs at the end of the game. Okay, well, so you we can get to that. I mean, we can just segue you, right into that. I, we can agree that nobody's worried about the Patriots. The Patriots will be fine. Well, they're going to win the they're, they're going to win the division. They're going to slaughter Miami at home. Um, are we crapping? On, are we crapping on the Dolphins being three and zero though? That's what I. That's what I was going to say. With Tannehill and Gase have now been together for 16 games that Tannehill has been healthy for, and they're 11 and five in those games. And I know a lot of it has been close wins. The year they made the playoffs, I think they had like a negative point differential. Uh, but maybe like we should be giving them more credit. I don't think they're going to win the East, but like I think they are a potential wildcard team. Wrong. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. No, look, no, Adam Beasley was on this podcast before uh, in the offseason. He's actually on it twice because Beasley's our boy. And he said that every, people should hammer the, the Dolphins over. A bunch of sharps um, in Vegas were on the Dolphins over as well. And it looks like it's going to cruise to the seven wins because they're already at three, three weeks into the season. Now, have they played anybody or are they actually good? Maybe not. But Adam Gase has a, has a way of constructing this offense that – gets enough yardage with dink and dunks and can turn the ball enough and, and puts their defense in a good position. I give them credit. They flipped over the locker room. Everybody thought they were left for dead. And the Miami Dolphins are 3-0 and in first place um, in, in the division three weeks into the season. They got a chance to be like three and a half games up with the Patriots. Yeah, but the problem is the Dolphins are the weirdest team in the NFL. The worst 3-0 and team, the weirdest everything team. You look at their 3-0 and they won, like, a 24-hour game against the Titans. Can we even count that? Uh, they beat the Jets because Sam Darnold threw just multiple turnovers. The, the Dolphins' offense was horrible in that game. And you look at the Raiders, it's like the Raiders had never practiced stopping a shovel pass. How do you even get two shovel pass touchdowns in one game? And that's where Tannehill basically flicked the ball forward two feet and then we had an 18-yard touchdown pass on that, and then I think a 52-yard touchdown pass. And the Dolphins also had some trickeration with Albert Wilson throwing a touchdown. So it was just like the Raiders' defense just looked woefully unprepared for just a not very complicated offense. I am not sold on the Dolphins. I still think they're going to go 6-10. I don't think they're a wild-card contender. Sorry, Sean. I mean, there are, the thing is they already have three wins, and in the AFC, so they're only get three eight more. or nine. I would take that bet. I, I, I would, I would take the over on six. Breach is just mad that the three and O, uh, Dolphins are getting more attention than the two and one Bengals. That's the, hey, problem. they play each other in two weeks. We'll find out. Will. They, they we do. will find out. Dolphins have back to back road games at the Patriots and at the Bengals. Then they loss, get the ba- Bears at home, Lions at loss. home, at the Texans. And then that's uh, a win. Everyone and, knows that's a win. And then the, then the Jets are <laughs> the Texans are. Oh right, well, we'll get let's we'll get to the Texans yeah, in a second. Yeah. Let's talk about the Colts first because that Andrew Luck thing is really interesting, and I wrote about that for the Sorting Sunday Pile piece that's on CBSSports.com. Um, at the end of the game, with the Colts hold, having a hail mary shot against the Eagles, they subbed out Andrew Luck and put in Jacoby Brissett. And I got a hot take here. I think it was a good idea. Because I think what's uh, my theory on what's happening with Andrew Luck right now. And so, of course, they had Brissett try and chunk the ball 80 yards in the end zone. Didn't feel like Luck could do it. My theory is that Luck is still in the build-up stage from his rehab on his shoulder surgery. We don't know that, but the Colts are bringing him along and believe that they can have him. Like they haven't announced that, but they think that they can operate 
Frank Reich's offense with these short passing attempts. Three games, Andrew Locke's only attempted eight passes more than 20 yards down the field. He's only completed two of those passes. Um, Hadn't stretched the field vertically at all. The Colts have played well and been in close games. They, they could have beaten, should have beaten the Bengals in week one. They did beat the Redskins in week two and they had a shot at beating the Eagles in week three. So I think they've really upgraded the coaching, but I don't think luck is back. I think we've got like 60% of luck in terms of his arm strength and, and they're still re, rehabbing him and getting him ready. And th- they didn't want to blow out his arm on one silly shot that's a low percentage throw to the end zone. He's 60%. 60% of luck that can throw the ball 12 yards is better than Jacoby Brissett. I don't know. Maybe 70, maybe. 70. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Maybe, uh, maybe I, 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 like, I don't know what percentage he is. Like, I think that we all thought coming into week one, based on the fact that he played all preseason, that he was 80, like 90 plus percent he healthy. Throw any long passes in yeah, preseason. Ryan was comparing him. Who are you comparing him to? Chad Pennington. Uh, oh, Chad Pennington. Exactly. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's been talking about this since his if first you can, preseason. I mean, you can win with Chad Pennington, but is that the offense that Frank Reich's going to go with going forward? And, and by the way, every defense knows now, if they didn't already, I'm sure they already did know, that Andrew Luck can't throw the ball more than 12 yards There's down the field. There's no reason a safety should be further than 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Against right, the exactly. Forward, so, right? I mean, that's sort of a hindrance if your offense is yeah, sort of. in the 20th century and you're using the forward pass. Uh, so I don't know where you go from here. And what if, by the way, he's not 60% from where he's going to be, but he's 60% of, of what he was, and that's it. So you're saying if he's 100% of Andrew Luck right now, the Colts are 100% bleeped. I mean, like, that's they're, they're done. Like, they're 100% screwed because that means that they have Chad Popgun Penning throwing passes for him, and it's just not going to work out. you got to trade. If you're Frank Reich, you got to trade uh, – Andrew Luck to the 49ers right now before they ask any questions. Just roll with Jacoby Brissett. I have no problem with that. And you know what's crazy about the Colts today? They had 209 total yards. They never had a number that low all of last season without Luck. Think about that. Exactly, so, exactly John. That, that's, you know, Brissett can run the offense just as good as Andrew Luck can right now because at least there's a threat of throwing downfield. I'm not going to go completely hot take, Dolphins 6-10 and 10 hot take, and say that Jacoby should go in there and uh, replace Andrew Luck right now. But I think if you get to week 8 or 9 Andrew Luck still can't throw downfield, uh, you got to start taking a serious look and consider Wilson's Chad Pennington theory here that maybe it's time to uh, – you know, give Jacoby a chance. Out of the, out of the, out of the tw- 25, out of the top 25 quarterbacks in terms of passing yards, total passing yards on the season, there are only two guys below six yards per attempt. Andrew Luck is currently 22nd at 5.3 yards per attempt. Yikes. And, uh, then Mitchell Trubisky at 25 is at 5.7 yards per attempt. Yikes. And his arm is fine, by the way. He's 100%. Oh, he just, he, he's, he's just bad. Is he bad, Sean? Is he bad? I don't know if he's bad. He's not yeah, good right now. He's bad right now. I don't know if that means he's going to be bad the rest of the year. Well, well I, you can see the future with Patrick Mahomes, but you have no idea what Mitch Trubisky is going to be. Well, I can see the future with Patrick Mahomes. When did I say that? About ten minutes ago. All right. So should the should the Bears cut Mitch Trubisky next no, season? No. Like, <laughs> I heard yes. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, the, the Mitchell Trubisky thing is concerning because he went on. You know, for the third game in a row. Now the Bears are two and one, and they're in first place. And they could be. They should first be. half of the first game, he looked great. First half of the first drive of the second game, he looked great. He's had he's had three good drives all year. There was another one in that Seahawks game in the second half that yeah. they scored on that he looked good on. But yeah, it's been three. He's had three good drives in three games. Patrick Mahomes had five great drives in the first half on Sunday. 
So it, it's obviously concerning, but the good news about the Bears is that their defense is playing well enough to win these games, you know, 17-14. They're not going to be able to, like, go to the playoffs, though. If Chubis- if this is what Trubisky is, then they're screwed. I think the hope is <laughs> is that he's in an actual offense for the first time because I think you can throw what happened last year out the window. And maybe it is he's just picking up a new offense and he's not he doesn't look confident back there. And maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't I don't know what it is. I'm I'm really surprised about his accuracy. That is like what's throwing me off because I thought for all of his faults last year he was extremely accurate with like ball placement and it's been the complete opposite and that's what I'm concerned about because he's gotten worse than he was a year ago. Um I'm not ready to say Mitch Trubisky's bad, but I think it's okay to start being concerned. The- he's pretty he's pretty bad. Well, I mean, like, the thing with the Mahomes stuff is not fair because Mahomes spent an entire year learning on the bench under Andy Reid. Trubisky spent an entire year fighting off, um, like with Dontrell Inman as his number one wide receiver, fighting through a John Fox offense designed to make him a worse quarterback than he was when he got there. And then they bring in Matt Nagy and just like with the Shanahan stuff, like, you're not going to pick this up and just start rolling with it, um, uh, immediately. Uh, and by the way, Rob Gronkowski confirms he threatened to retire if the Patriots don't try to trade him. That's hilarious. He does not care. He does not. Um, they, the, you know, he, he basically, you know, decided, I mean, he had to deal with a year's worth of just setbacks. And so I don't, I don't think it's fair to compare Mahomes and Trubisky, especially when you factor in just how deep in season that, that, that group of weapons is in Kansas City versus how these guys in Chicago are trying to gel together. So but, Brinson, if, if the, if Ryan Pace, Sean's guy had drafted Patrick Mahomes. My, he would my be, guy. Patrick Mahomes would be doing what now in that same offense with the same shortcomings that Trubisky had to deal with? Patrick Mahomes would be completing 58% of his passes, and he'd have six touchdowns and seven interceptions, and the Bears would be one and two. This is what I think people forget about the Trubisky-Mahomes stuff is that Trubisky barely played in college, too, and I think – you, that should 12, be a red flag, shouldn't it? Yeah, 12, yeah, well, I think, I think you flag. drafted him with the understanding is that this guy has the potential to become a great quarterback, but he is more of a project than the second Watson. Look, pick. look Larry, I, I, you Larry. Can, no, you can criticize Pace for trading up to draft Trubisky. I did it at the time. Over Deshaun Watson valid. and Patrick Mahomes. No big deal. I, no think big deal. I think it's completely valid to criticize Pace for doing that, but I don't think it's fair to, to write off Trubisky because he's a guy who didn't start much in college. He had one season – Barely played last year and then has been bad through three games. Is it, Sean, is, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, right? Hold on, Ryan, before you go. Is it, is it a red flag that he didn't play in college because they, they wanted to play Marquise Williams ahead of him? Is that a red flag? Maybe. maybe. I mean, you probably it want is, to It is. He it said is maybe. Yeah. The first game of the season where they played Marquise Holy Williams, God. he threw three red zone interceptions against South Carolina in a loss that kept them out of the college football playoff and they still played him the whole year. It's unbelievable. Oh, then again, we've seen football coaches both in college and professionally, play the wrong quarterback over and over again. Well, that was actually going to get me to a point that I was going to make next, which is, holy hell, what was Steve Wilkes doing against the Bears? So you talk about some back-ass coaching. They wait until they're down 16-14, having given away a potential game and an opportunity for me to troll the Bears' official Twitter account back after they trolled me last week because I was the only one to pick the, the freaking um, uh, yeah, Cardinals to, to win the game outright. Um the Cardinals are losing 16-14, and with less than like three minutes or two minutes left, they sub in Josh Rosen for Sam Bradford. What the hell, Breach, was 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 Steve Wilkes thinking? That is not when you make a change to a rookie quarterback. 
No, that was probably one of the three worst coaching decisions of the day. It's like who it's got to be. He's the head coach. So it's and I know he's a defensive guy, but in the end, he's got to have final say. So it is like the offense coordinator came up and said, hey, man, how about putting Josh Rosen in here on this key part after the Bears have completely just befuddled and terrorized our starting quarterback, Sam Bradford. Yeah, let's just throw the rookie out there in this key situation when he hasn't taken any warm-up throws in two and a half hours before the game. Uh, so that was just a horrible, horrible decision. And obviously, we saw what happens when you make a horrible decision like that. Uh, Josh Rosen looked bad, and I don't know why Steve Wilkes. It was just everything the Cardinals did in the second half blew my mind, but not in a good way. By the way, I actually love the decision to bring in Rosen with two minutes to go. But it's, uh, it's like it's like he's like, oh, you know, he worked for Hugh Jackson on Thursday. I should do that. Well, I think idea. also, I think Steve Wilkes fell asleep for like the first forty-five minutes of the game, <laughs> and he sort of woke up and he was disoriented, and he meant to put in Rosen earlier because Bradford's terrible. But maybe his thinking was something along the lines of, "We're probably going to lose this game because we're a terrible football team. Let's put in Rosen and see how he he responds to the pressure." Before he came in, I think the the first four drives of the second half had ended in turnovers. For the Cardinals, so it couldn't have gotten worse. Uh, and then I think right, I have, a, you, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that Steve Wilkes looks a little like Gus Fring? Uh, he if Gus if Gus went a little heavy on the uh, loco, uh, Pollo Loco, what is the name of that place? <laughs> yeah, Los Polos Hermanos. Hermanos, yeah, because he was he was like pretty thin rail at the beginning of that yeah. thing. But if he just sort of sat in the booth and, and chowed down on some chicken for a while, maybe. But I think that Gus would be a little more calculating in terms of how he uses quarterback <laughs> because uh, there are questions to be asked. But, I, look, I understand why you start Bradford to begin the year because Bradford has shown the ability not to not be terrible. But he has not looked great, and I think much more so than Tyrod. Tyrod should, should have never been a starter. But I understand why you stick with Bradford. But at some point, you're like, okay, what's the downside to going with the rookie? And uh, he just decided with two minutes to go in a super tight game that, uh, hey, we'll see what happens. It's the weirdest timing in the world. And, you know, look, continuing a theme that we have seen all season, um, Mike McCoy, who was once upon a time thought to be a good offensive coordinator, managed to get David Johnson a total of 16 touches in this game. He caught four passes for 30 yards and a score, but he ran the ball 12 times for 31 yards. And, look, I get that the Bears' defense is good and they're stopping the run. But you gotta get, just get the ball in David Johnson's hand in short yardage situations and let him do what he does, which is evade tackles and bust through dudes and rip off long runs. I mean, there's no reason for the Cardinals to lose this game. They gagged it. Um, I, I didn't think the Bears played particularly well, um, and, and didn't deserve to win, but kudos to Chicago for going on the road and getting a win and getting to two and one. Cardinals. Hey, Brent, can I ask you something real quick? You can always ask me something, right? 2012. Pete Prisco except would crush. Will you, except, will you work on? I know, yeah. yeah. 2012, Pete Prisco would crush your boy Russell Wilson because ah. he would refuse to stay in the pocket. Yep. And every time I watch Trubisky, and I'm not, I'm not just taking a shot at Sean at this point, he refuses to stay in the pocket. So taking the long view, is there any chance that Trubisky approaches being the type of quarterback that Russell is? In terms of using his athleticism, but also finding a way to stay in the pocket for more than half a second. Here's the, th- here's the thing with Trubisky that I worry about is that he spent in this Larry Fedora offense at Carolina. I mean, he he didn't play under center from like sixth grade until last year. Like, like I'm not even kidding. Like, he played out of shotgun exclusively through like high school and and college, and so. He's also been in these up-tempo offenses where he's used to getting it out quick, and I get that you kind of do that in, in the Matt Nagy system, but 
Like you have to be able to like I just you just have to worry about him being able to make reads, and I think the learning curve for him in that respect is going to be much longer. I think the problem has been if his first read is there, he'll take it. But the second his first read is gone, his eyes just drop. And what you're saying, Ryan, is completely right. His eyes drop and he looks to scramble and he runs into pressure when pressure isn't even there. So the problem for him is getting off his first read. If you take that away, um, he's going to struggle. I feel like because we have been bashing the Bears offense, I just want to point out the Bears went down 14 nothing in this game. After that, the Arizona drive chart looks like this. Punt, punt, punt. Interception, interception, fumble, recovery, interception, end of game. Yeah, Mike. Mike they beat a team whose coach fell asleep. Yeah, and look, Steve Wilkes is a good human being, but I don't know if he's a good coach. He is. He's well very, rested too. He's very, Sean, and, if you uh, could do over the 2017 draft, would you take Trubisky or uh, the last pick in the whole entire draft, Chad Kelly? Ooh. I would take Trubisky. That Chad Kelly's Preach cheaper. Preach is coming in hot. They're here both. Today. They're both backup quarterbacks. Um, and for the record, would you trade, would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for Derek Carr? In his contract? No. What about no, what about just straight up no contract needed? (laughs) Why are you hesitating? Wow. I, I, I've been like anti Derek Carr since like 2015. Oh, you live in Oakland, man. You better uh, lock your doors tonight. Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for Ryan Tannehill? Same deal in the contract. Doesn't count. Yes. Oh I think Tannehill's I think Tannehill's better than Ryan's better face. Tannehill under Gates has been pretty good. Sean, I'm going to need you to pee in a cup right now. We have to be able to see it because you're clearly on drugs. Uh, for the record, would you, would you since, trade Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for Josh Allen? No. <laughs> you just you would for Tannehill, but not Josh Allen. What about Kirk, I, What about Kirk Cousins? Andy yes. Dalton. Andy Dalton. At this age, no. <laughs> what age? He's thirty. Would you trade? Right. I don't want. I don't want a thirty-year-old Andy Dalton. He's peaked. With Trubisky, there's a chance for upside. No, there's not. I, I'm. I'm sad to tell you, there's not. This is. This You're is giving up after. Yes. Three games. Throwing my hands up, moonwalking out of the room. Would you trade Trubisky for Blake Bortles? Oh my God! Did you just, did you no. just hesitate? No. No. Oh my God! This is the saddest thing we Did ever you trade Trubisky for Blake Bortles. No, of course not. Sean, Sean is the Ryan Grixon of podcasts. Um, this is sadder than the beatdown the Minnesota Vikings got on Sunday at the hands of the Buffalo Bills. And by the way, if you like highlights, like real sports talk, sports talk for people who like sports, just the action, not the. Drive. Do you taking your are you taking your ears out, your headphones out for this read? CBS Sports HQ. Was on top of every highlight from Sunday. As soon as the games happen, we are busting out halftime shows. We are busting out post game shows, pre game shows. There's a sports line show from 12 to 1 on Sundays where Nick Costos hosts and gives a, a bunch of picks along with various Vegas experts to help you win cash money. He went four and one in the super contest this week. So did I, by the way. And if you go to cbssports.com backslash live, you can watch CBS Sports HQ yourself. You will catch such experts as Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner-McGuff, and myself. CBS Sports HQ is an all-new 24-7 streaming network featuring breaking news, highlights, and expert analysis from all major sports. Stream CBS Sports HQ any time of the day on your phone, computer, or connected TV, including Roku, Chromecast, Apple TV, or Fire TV. It is real sports for real fans. So the Buffalo Bills and Sean's boy, Josh Allen, Wax the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, do you think that the Vikings, who, by the way, I think Everson Griffin was out, 
They sat Dalvin Cook with a hamstring injury. Do you think the Vikings benched people on purpose, knowing they have the Rams next Thursday? Or this Thursday, I guess. Maybe. I mean, they very well could have. I mean, there was no reason to expect the Bills to show up. They didn't even, they thought they were going to Wisconsin for starters. <laughs> that was the um, best story of the week. That's what the Bills social media person tweeted out before they got fired. <laughs> but uh, they ended up in Minnesota. They showed up and they, I mean, it was a beat down from the start. I think it was 27 nothing right before they scored uh, six points at the end there. Um, yes, Cousins threw the ball 55 times. It, it, no one saw this coming, including Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. I think it's uh, sort of a, a good thing for Josh Allen, obviously. He was 15-22 to 22 for uh, 196 and a touchdown. Um, he's been sort of shaky in his previous outings, but that's understandable. There's no offensive line to speak of. There's no one to throw the ball to. Sean McCoy didn't play today, so Chris Ivory did most of the running, got 56 yards. Um, yeah, so there's something to build on. I still think the Bills are a terrible football team, but they're not going to go 0-16. Uh, I, I think next in line for, for that uh, eventuality might be the Raiders, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, big win for the Bills. I don't know if it means anything in the long run for the Vikings, um, just because we've seen good teams play terribly. We were just talking about the Patriots. I don't think anyone's concerned about them either. I, I think the defense that Minnesota has is it's one of the best. Kirk Cousins is, is pretty good. I mean, he's he's still through for 300 yards, had a touchdown interception, so it's not like he just went off the rails. Uh, I just think it's one of those any given Sunday sort of cliches. It just so happens that the Vikings lost at home to the Josh Allen's Bills. I'm going to jump in real quick because you watch that game and it's amazing. It's amazing what happens. It's not like the Vikings defense even played bad. Kirk Cousins fumbled twice. The Bills, uh, two of their first three scores, the, the Bills drove like 25 yards to get 10 points. So you really can't even put that on the Vikings defense. And it really just felt like Kirk Cousins wasn't earning his paycheck, which is not easy to do when you have an $84 million guaranteed contract. But you can even take this back to last week's game against the Packers. We talked all week about that Clay Matthews hit, right? Now, say they don't throw the flag there and the game ends with Cousins throwing interception. His numbers are horrible last week. All of a sudden, it's like 250 yards, two interceptions. Uh, so that completely changed the storyline on Cousins. And then imagine that coming into this week where he fumbles twice, throws an interception, and just looks atrocious, then we're saying, hey, Kirk Cousins has the richest contract in the NFL for guaranteed money, and he's looked horrible two out of three weeks, and there would be a lot of questions right now. So I do not trust Kirk Cousins right now, and I think he's going to get mauled by the Rams' defense on Thursday. Are you worried about the Vikings, though, in that division? I mean— You know who's in first place, right? I, I By the know. way, I was go trying to bring Bears, it up. Go Bears, go! Go Bears, go! It's the first sign since week three of 2014 that the Bears have a winning record, which is horrible. Oh, it's the first time since when? Since when? week three of 2014 that the Bears have a winning record, and it's the first time since week 16 of 2013 that they have a lead in the division. And I think the Bears are definitely in it because you look at the Vikings, I think their offense is at a weak link right now. Their offensive uh, line is not good. It's not, and Kirk Cousins is not good behind an offensive line that's not good. Uh, the Packers have a gimpy Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what's going on in Detroit, because I don't think anyone has them figured out. So I honestly, you know, two weeks ago, I would have written off the Bears and the Lions. But now, tonight, I think that division is absolutely wide open. And no, I don't want the Bears to win it, because then that's all Sean will talk about for the next 12 months. But they're in it. 
They, by the way, look at the Vikings schedule coming up. They get the Rams on Thursday, which, and there are seven, there's seven point underdogs in LA on Thursday. That's crazy that the Vikings would ever be seven point underdogs to anybody if you told somebody before the season started. Then they're at the Eagles the, the Sunday after that. So 10 days, but it's two back to back road games. Get the Cardinals at home. There'll be a 16 point favorite in that game. Uh, then they're at the Jets. And then they get the Saints at home and then the, the Lions at home on 11-4. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, three or four of those are very losable, especially those on the road. And I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Vikings lost their next two games, right? Like, that's not insane if they went to the, the LA and lost to the Rams and lost to the Eagles. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, where, where then if, if that happens and the Packers stumble at all, but we'll get to the Packers in a second, but I mean, the Bears could, Put a stranglehold in this division kind of early, heading into midseason. Sounds like I, you're I, I, don't, I, don't buy I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't know if we're living in a world where Mitchell Trubisky's winning a division title. We're not. Not well, when Sean's trying to trade him for every quarterback in the NFL. Just Ryan Tannehill. The Ryan Tannehill thing is sad. He's like 34, man. He's like 34. The, <laughs> the, uh, the Bears' schedule is kind of interesting because they get the box, and who knows what you're going to get with Fitzpatrick. I, I Like, it's at home. I would pick the Bears to win that game. Maybe I'm crazy because the Bucks have actually looked pretty good. We'll see what happens after they beat the Steelers um, on Monday night. And then they get the Dolphins. And, like, I think they could win both those games, but I think they could also lose both those games. I, I'm, the, I'm Bears, the Bears, the Bears, the Bears the... before the Cleo Mac trade, the Bears over six and a half, they're going to get that by Thanksgiving. Like, they get the Buccaneers at home, then a bye, then the Dolphins on the road, which is a game they should win. I can see him losing that. That's fine. Then they get the Patriots at home. They'll lose that game. Then the Jets at home. They should win that. Bills on the road. They should win that. And Lions at home. They should win that. I mean, they they could easily beat. They should them. beat the Lions at home. I think. I think so. It's weird. Fair. I feel like you are higher on the Bears than I am. I look at all those games and I think they're all winnable. But when you You're have a quarterback who's that limited, all those games are also losable. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It's, but like, well, when I say they should win, I mean that they'll be favored. Like, I think they'll be favored in those games. Of course they could lose them. I mean, the I Bills, think they're playing the Bills a lot is, of games like they played on Sunday. The Vikings is, just lost. They're just playing well, and it's a close game, and a couple bounces is going to decide it. Yeah, that's, that's football. Why, that's, that's what professional football is. No, professional football is having Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins. No, it's and not. Being able to no, move the ball. No, no, that's not professional football. No, because only, there's only Who's one. won the last few Super Bowls? There's who, only, who goes to the playoffs? Right, right, right. Nick Foles won. Yeah, that's right. Good point, Breach. And I don't know if you know this, but like Tom Brady is, there's not a lot of Tom Brady's and not a lot of Aaron Rodgers. Like sometimes you have a, me, a mediocre quarterback on your team and you need crap to break your way so you can win football games. That's are, what, they, are they pretty much like a worse version of last year's Jaguars where you don't know what you're getting out of the quarterback, but they have a defense that'll keep them you in know games? It's, you know what's really funny is that when the Khalil Mack trade happened, RJ White, our editor, made that point. He said, I think he, he, I think he wrote it down somewhere on CBSports.com, but he was, he's like, the, is it possible the Bears are like a homeless man's Jaguars with a slightly worse quarterback and better receivers and a worse defense? Sure. It's entirely possible. You have Alan Robinson. Right. Alan Robinson's like a poor man's Keelan Cole or something in, like in that. In Blake Bortles' defense, he, he balled out against the Patriots in the championship game. That's not why they, he's not the reason they lost that game. He didn't play great against the, uh, the, the Bills in the first round. He played okay against the Steelers. I don't know if Trubisky can stand up against the Patriots and play the way the Bortles did. He can in the, uh, the first series. He'll win the first series. By the way, speaking right. of the Jaguars, we're not going to spend long on this because I didn't watch this. I, I didn't watch a second of this game. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw the score. I wasn't going to. Did you watch it? Sean? So the NFL Listen, actually Titans, up. The Titans won nine, nine to six over the Jaguars in a game that nobody wants to see. 
What I was going to say is that the NFL actually puts out these highlight videos from every game, and they're actually like 15 minutes long. It's a great way to just catch up on a game if you didn't watch it. And every game was like 15 minutes long, and then I clicked on the Titans-Jags, and it was like six minutes. And that's how you know nothing happened. It was like a bunch of field goals, a couple Marcus Mariota scrambles, and that was it. Uh, I mean, it's it's literally impossible to watch every single game on the weekend, but you can, you can see where this went sideways on the Jaguars, right? So, like, Blake Bortles threw 34 times, and they attempted 19 rushes, five of those from Bortles. Like, I get that it worked against the Patriots, but it's not going to work every single time. I, I wonder if maybe the Titans' defense is better than we're, we were, we've been giving it credit for. And if Marcus Mariota can get healthy, if this Titans team, which, by the way, first place in the AFC South, tied with the Jaguars, but they have the head-to-head tiebreaker, might actually be a better team than we're giving them credit for. Am I right or wrong? Well, I'll jump in here because I watched, like, half that game. Good being, for the, you. being the guy in Nashville, it's on TV. It's easy to watch for me, so I've somehow been watching the Titans uh, the past three weeks, which was rough that first week with the seven-hour marathon. But what I'm going to say about them is if I had to hand out a Coach of the Year award after three weeks, I'm giving it to Mike Vrabel. I mean, that, what that guy has done has been amazing. And, and when you consider that he the last two weeks, the Titans were starting Blaine Gabbert. Like, imagine thinking you're going to go into Jacksonville and win a game with Blaine Gabbert as your starting quarterback. No one would ever think that. Your starting quarterback uh, Marcus Mariota, his his elbow hurts so badly he can't even grip a football. They have to play him anyway, and they still win. And basically all they were doing was what, what Sean just mentioned with the, the Mariota scrambles was the, the Jaguars just couldn't figure it out. It was just like, I don't know what it is about the Titans. They've now won three in a, or three in a row over Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's defense looks like uh, you know the 2015 Browns defense when they play against the Titans. And so this this whole thing was inexplicable. The Jaguars' offense looked horrible. Uh, man, it was just a brutal game, and I'm actually glad I didn't watch all four quarters. I think, by the way, you were saying Jaguars right that time, so good job there. Um, I'm a little we've confused we've, about we've what like... the Titans are doing, though. And I know Breacher was just saying he would give Vrabel Coach of the Year. I don't understand the rationale that Mariota is healthy enough to be active. But is the argument Blaine Gabbard at 100% is better than Mariota at 75%? Because I don't think well, that's the case. The, the funny part is that it almost feels like Andrew Luck's situation where they're saying, okay, he's healthy, but we don't really want him to play. Whereas the Colts are going with Luck, even though he's not 100%. The Titans are saying he's good enough to play, but you know we don't want him starting. We don't want him to get more injured. Cause that's but then wouldn't you just make him inactive? Like, if, if Mariota is actually at an injury risk, I feel like you would just make him inactive. Like, you're not risking that. So it's just weird to me that they're playing Gabbert over Mariota when Mariota's healthy enough to play. Sean, Blaine Gabbert is 2-0 and in the past two weeks. He threw three passes today. I heard this on a podcast, and I, I don't I don't remember. Which I'm going to guess it was around the NFL, NFL.com guys. I, I just don't remember who said it, otherwise I would credit for him. But it was like, only in football – 
with somebody like there's an injury. It's like Marcus Mariota can't feel his fingers, and it's like we don't know. Like it's not even like we don't know if he's gonna live. It's like we don't know if he can play football today. He's like he still doesn't have feeling in his hands. It's like well, I guess he, I guess he's gonna have to just soldier through and play. You play remember when uh, Peyton Manning? It came out he couldn't feel like anything yeah. in his fingertips. His fingertips. And it was, like after his record-breaking year. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. I mean, like if I couldn't feel anything in my fingertips, I'd be freaking out. I'd be calling nine one one. Like I can't feel my fingertips, man. Like, sir, please stop taking. How would you drugs. dial the phone? <laughs> I mean, I, he's I, not blind, Wilson. Yeah, I can jam the finger. I don't have to feel it. Even Siri, I can't feel my fingers. Dial nine one one. Siri, call nine one one. Okay, uh, I don't want to talk about Tennessee and Jacksonville anymore. Let's talk about <laughs> Green Bay and Washington because I called this one one of my super contest picks again. I don't know if you know this. I went four and one this week. Did I mention that yet? Uh, Washington four times already. I'll be mentioning it again. I mentioned it when I went zero and five last week. Big bounce back for yours truly, Adrian Peterson. I didn't even think about this before the game. I thought about it as soon as the game started. and I was mad that I hadn't brought it up. Of course he's going to plow through the Viking. I mean the Patriots. I mean the Packers. He hates the Packers. He was a Vikings player for so long that he's angry, and he came out and he ran angry. He looked great. Nineteen yard, nineteen attempts, one hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns. Alex Smith. 12 for 20, 220, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, had a couple shots at Josh Doxson, three targets, two of them in the red zone, but couldn't complete them. Did throw a p- touchdown pass to Paul Richardson that was nice and to Jameson Crowder. Thought the uh, Redskins defense was very impressive in getting after Aaron Rodgers. Watched this one pretty closely because, as you know, I've got the Redskins, of course, winning the NFC East. And I think it's a viable possibility if the guys on the in the trenches stay healthy and and they don't lose too many guys to injury that the Redskins could win that division. Yeah, and I think last week, well, they, they beat Arizona. They killed them in week one, and then they come out and they lose to the Colts, and that's when everyone was like, uh, I don't know what to make of the Redskins. Maybe they're actually bad. But then the Colts today yes. actually come out and look pretty good against the Eagles, so maybe that loss to the Colts isn't that bad. Um, I, I don't know what to make of the Redskins. I really don't. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the division. Uh, but they were impressive today, and I think Week Two's loss of the Colts now doesn't look nearly as bad as it did at the time. I and well, the, well so I was going to say the thing is the division—it's not good, John. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the thing about the Redskins is that if you ever seen that Rudolph, uh, they show every Christmas there's an island of misfit toys, and that's how I feel about with the Redskins. Like you have Adrian Peterson, you have Alex Smith, you have all these players that no one wants. They're on the same team. Uh, and the thing that the Redskins did today that I loved, and I only, I saw most of the first half and spotty on the second half, but was that, and this is, we've been talking about how Andrew Luck can't throw downfield and how that affects a team. In this game, Redskins first drive, Alex Smith goes three for three for 73 yards. He's taken downfield shots. And then after that, the Packers were kind of, uh, looking for that. And then that opened up all this room for Adrian Peterson to run for 120 yards. So that's what happens when you have a quarterback who can actually throw downfield and it's like where was this when Alex Smith was in Kansas City but still so watching the Redskins just kind of uh get comfortable with each other like I think this team is only going to get better and I love your pick of them winning division Brenton I don't love a lot of your picks but I do love that one yeah I mean look the Eagles are probably still the favorite Ryan but you had you had some Alex Smith for MVP love before the season yeah I was making that conversation um before Darius Geis got hurt, I didn't. I, I had no faith in Adrian Peterson because he's 33. But so far, he's proven me wrong. Uh, also worth noting, we have no idea what's going on with Aaron Rodgers' knee. That team mm. is actually minus 13 in point differential, which is sort of mind blowing, given that they tied a game, uh, a game they probably should have won. 
And then they lost to the Redskins, which is sort of inexplicable given the conversation we had about the Colts last week. But, uh, yeah, so we got to figure out what's going on with Aaron Rodgers' knee because if he's not healthy, then it's the, the Sean Kaiser show. And I don't think anyone wants to see that in Green Bay. Uh, so we, you know, we, I don't even think the Packers have said exactly what the situation is with his knee. Uh, I think the Redskins can win the division, by the way. The Eagles didn't look great today. We saw Carson Wentz for the first time. He was rusty, which is fine. My team that I picked to win the division, the Giants finally won a game. And if they play the Texans for the rest of the year, they'll probably want to feed it. So that's you know something to to keep an eye on. I, the surprising thing about that game, and I agree with you 100. percent Like the, the Rodgers thing is concerning, uh, but to, just for the sake of time, we can we can move ahead to that Giants and and, and Texans game. We're going to try and hit every single game. If you want to hit every single game, by the way, go to picks. Go to NFL.com backslash pick six. S i x p i c k s i x and get yourself a free seven day. Trial of NFL Game Pass. It's the only way to watch every single game. You can watch the broadcast version, condensed version. You get in the, during the primetime game on Sunday night when the Patriots are getting blown out, you don't want to watch that. You can go back and watch that thriller between Mitchell Trubisky and Sam Bradford on your own time. But you really can. It's great. You get all 22. comes out on Tuesday. Sean likes to grind tape like nobody else in this business. He knows all about that all 22 life, and you should too. Get yourself a free seven-day trial of NFL Game Pass at NFL.com backslash pick six. Um, on that Texans-Giants game, I, I actually watched kind of a lot of that. I thought J.J. Watt, Watt is starting to look really good. Like he's starting to shape into old J.J. Watt, but it didn't matter because the Giants um, were able to do enough on offense. I don't know if I was surprised because it, it did feel like a game where one t- I mean, both teams should have been desperate, but the Giants felt more desperate than the Texans, Ryan. J.J. Watt had three-plus sacks in a game for the sixth time in his career, first time since Week 17, 2015. So, yeah, you're exactly right. J.J. Watt appears to be back. He was dominating fools. <laughs> uh, uh, Eric Flowers got benched, by the way, of going into that game. Uh, his move from left tackle to right tackle, now he's been moved off the field altogether, which uh, – Actually worked out pretty well for Freelight Manny, who finally looked like himself. Saquon Barkley flashed a little bit. ODB did his thing, but I do wonder. I don't. I don't know what Bill O'Brien, the head coach, is doing. Uh, Deshaun Watson looked a little better. He'd looked rusty in the first few weeks. He's coming back off that ACL we know about. But I do wonder if now that Matt Patricia's off my hot seat, if Bill O'Brien is the sort of next guy with his his name underlined in red marker because he's doing a terrible job with with what should be a really good team. Now. Uh, Davenport, their left tackle, was called for four penalties today, I think, two last week. And uh, John McClain, the beat writer for Houston Chronicle, I thought was going to have a heart attack on Twitter today talking about it. <laughs> she said, I might retire at halftime. The Texans are so So, bad. I mean, they tried to fix the offensive line in the offseason. Clearly, it's not working. So they have huge issues there. And that's sort of – if you don't have an offensive line, you're going to be a terrible offensive football team. So that's where they're at. Uh, Lamar Miller had a tough game. So they got to fix that. You're, they're not going to magically fix it in the middle of the season. So I, I do wonder if some of the um, heat's going to fall on Bill O'Brien and how long he's going to last if they continue to play like the worst team in football. They, in their last 13 games, I think are 1-12. and What? Is that good? They've got the longest <laughs> losing streak in the NFL right now. They've lost nine in a row. Wow. I mean, it's not even fun to watch the Texans. And, and what Ryan was saying is, or one of you two just said about how desperate they look. The Texans looked at like they were out there just uh, – frolicking on the field, kind of lollygagging around. It's They looked completely lost in the first half. And the fact that Eli Manning, I think uh, there was definitely some talk that he might be washed up the past few weeks. And, you know, Pat Shermer the whole offseason was like, hey, I want Eli to complete 70% of his passes when Eli's never even come anywhere close to that number. And then, boom, this game is like uh, 
Pat Shermer's fantasy game. I don't even know how this happened. Eli completed what, like 86, 85% of his passes. So who knows if that's because the Texans are so bad or because the Giants actually figured out, uh, how to run this offense. Yeah, I, I'm worried. I mean, the Texans, look, they've got a healthy schedule at least to get the Texans, the Colts on the road. It's not, I, I'll be interested to see what that line is. I haven't looked at it yet. The Cowboys at home and then the Bills at home. So they need to win these next three. They can get back to three and three. But if you drop two of those, you're kissing that season goodbye. Like it's over. They're not going to win those games. They don't have an offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. I don't, I'm not sure that those three teams have the defensive line to mess them up, but look, the Texans might just be a bad football team. Uh, a team that is not bad. The New Orleans Saints. Another one of my super contest picks. Did I mentioned I went four and one this week. Uh, the Saints won 43 to 37 in overtime, beating the Dirty Birds of Atlanta in Atlanta in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Good game for Matt Ryan. Great game, actually. 26 of 35, 374 yards and five touchdowns. But he was bested by Drew Brees, who went 39 of 49 for 396 yards and three touchdowns. Did you guys know, do you know what the percentage of passes that Michael Thomas has caught this season? Do you know the answer? Do you know the answer? Do you want to know the answer? What, all right, guess, I'll give you each a guess. What do you think the percentage of passes that Michael Thomas has caught this season? 69. Percentage thrown to him or percentage uh, of the offense? Percent, no, 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 percentage of targets that he has captured with his hands. 85%. Sean? I already said 69. 40. You're a child, Sean. Uh, 98. That's not true. Holy yes, it crap. is. He's caught 98% of his passes. First player in NFL history to start the season with 10 plus receptions to, in three games in his first three games, and he has 38 catches over his first three games. He is one of the top two or three wide receivers in the league, and we're not talking about him enough. Alvin Kamara also peppered with targets, 20 of them, 15 catches, 124 yards. This is the formula for beating the Falcons. The, the Panthers showed it last week. They used Christian McCaffrey because if you get these fast guys in space on the inside, there's no Deion Jones, there's no Keanu Neal. Um, the Saints defense didn't look very good. They got the pass rush going a little bit. Marcus Davenport had a, had a, he bullied, uh, 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 the Alex Mack, the center for the Falcons. Um, and neither team really tried to run the ball. This is just a shootout in Atlanta and a fun game to watch, Ryan. Yeah, you mentioned Deion Jones. Uh, they're also without Keanu Neal. Tack McKinley didn't play. And uh, obviously Devontae Freeman's on the other side of the ball isn't playing either. Yeah, so the the Falcons are one and two. And uh, I'm a little concerned about them, not because they're necessarily playing terrible football. They're playing, you know, replacement level, slightly better football. But they're in the division with the red-hot Buccaneers and the Saints, obviously, you just mentioned. And the Panthers are actually playing really well, too. They beat Breach's uh, Bengals today in a pretty, pretty close game. So uh, the Falcons got to sort some things out. I will say... The good news is that Matt Ryan put up some pretty big numbers. We were sort of crapping on him early in the year because of the red zone issues. Three three touchdowns to Calvin Ripley, uh, Ridley. Yeah, Ridley looked yeah. awesome. He was and I think uh, Julio had 90-something yards, and he was like the second fiddle. So that's a good sign. Um, but they have some things to clean up, obviously. And look, going into New Orleans – wait, another game was Atlanta, right? It was Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, losing to that high-powered Saints offense isn't the worst thing in the world. But when you're one and two and in the last place in that division, you got to sort some things out. So uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. I know you guys are doing the same. Tampa Bay loses on Monday night to get to keep the Falcons in, in the mix because that's uh, that's that's their their best hope heading into Week Four. What do you think about that uh, Bengals game, Breach? It wasn't that close. Ryan's lying. Wasn't that close? Uh, you know, it wasn't not not close, Brinson. I mean, 
Here's the thing. If not for the right. four interceptions. They lost, by, they lost by 10 points in Andy Dalton through four with, picks. With that offense. They lose Joe Mixon. A.J. Green got banged up for a second in there. And, I, you know. A.J. Green, Green was out the whole basically second half, I think, with a groin injury. Right. And that's when the offense became Creators. completely dysfunctional. It's like when I watch it, I, at least two of those Andy Dalton interceptions, I wasn't sure if it was John Ross's fault for running a bad route, which is completely plausible because I am can, I am pretty sure he only knows about 10% of the playbook. And then you have uh, Dalton, who has been known to just wing balls up and, and hope someone catches it. That's how A.J. Green gets 50% of his catches. John Ross is not A.J. Green. He can't make those plays. Uh, so the offense just looked – a little lost, and I know you think that the score is not indicative of the game, but you no, know, the game was 28-21. The Bengals are trying to field what would have been 28-24 with uh, late in the fourth quarter. So a little closer than I think you're giving it credit. But Cam or uh, Christian McCaffrey did absolutely take over that game. The Bengals couldn't stop him, but they get Vontez Perfect back next week, so their defense will improve. I'm not I'm not worried about the Bengals. I think they're a good team. Um, they're very complete. They need to get Joe Mixon back. They need to not rush Joe Mixon back. And they're in a terrible, terrible division. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're a terrible division. Um, Christian McCaffrey had 184 rushing yards. I didn't – I knew he'd cross over 100 because everybody made a big deal out of it. Um, he only caught two passes for 10 yards. And I mean, he just ran the ball really well. I think this Panthers offense is starting to click a little bit. They're going to get Thomas Davis back soon. Carolina, I think Carolina and Cincinnati are actually kind of similar. Like they've got a up and down quarterback. They've got nice weapons. They're, they're prone to losing a game. They have no business losing and winning games. They have no business winning. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that trajectory continue throughout the course of the season. Did we talk about how the Raiders stink? Did we mention the Raiders stinking? Do you want to talk about that, Ryan or? Sean? They're going 0-16. I said it before the season, their best chance to win. Maybe the Browns and the Browns now have Baker Mayfield, and they're not beating the Browns. Baker Mayfield's going to come to Oakland and drop 40 on that team. And I know – look, I think the offense actually is doing pretty well with John Gruden, at least for like the first half or in spurts. But they don't have any answers on defense. And, you know, we saw the report before the, the games on Sunday that Gruden has his own crew of personnel guys with their own draft boards and their own personnel grades on these guys. I, that, I mean, how is that making that team better? Uh, but by the way, he gets along great with Reggie McKenzie, so they're, they get together. Yeah, I love that. They're like, no, everybody's fine with those two. It's like, no, they're not. Reggie's a big cuddly teddy bear. Everyone loves him as they walk down the, the hallway high-fiving each other. But the defense is terrible. Uh, the offense doesn't, hasn't played a complete game yet. Uh, I know Sean hates Derek Carr, but I think Derek Carr can be a pretty good quarterback. He was in the MVP conversation uh, before he broke his leg two years ago. But um, John Gruden's out of his element, and he can make all the dumb faces on the sidelines he wants. It ain't, you know, 1998, 2002, whatever. Uh, and I just don't see the Raiders being anything other than a terrible football team. Raiders have now covered the first half line in all three games. They're a pick em against Cleveland um, at home. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being Cleveland favored in on the road. Because Is people- there a bigger slap in the face than opening as not favored over a team that's coming off a year-and-a-half losing streak in your house? With a rookie quarterback. With a rookie quarter, and six hundred thirty-five days. Jackson on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no bigger slap in the face. I just can't get over the Raiders have. I think somebody pointed out in our Slack Slack room today, but the Raiders have the worst point difference. Maybe it was you breach was the point differential the second half. Yeah, it was. It was. It, well, going into week three, they've been outscored by thirty-six points in the second half. That's now up to forty-seven. But just to put it in perspective, the Raiders 
through two weeks have been outscored by 36 points in the second half. No other team in the NFL had even been outscored by 25 points in the second half. So the Raiders are just getting bombed on in the second <laughs> half. And that happened again in this game. They're ahead 10 to 7. They get outscored 21 to 10 in the second half. So like one week, you're like, eh, it's one week. Who cares? Two weeks, you're like, uh, maybe this is a problem. Three weeks, I mean, this feels like a trend where John Gruden's only coaching half the game. <laughs> And then he just gives up and, you know, drinking out of a, I don't know what he's doing. He's just not coaching. Cause the oh, man- by the way, that one of the maniacs he has working in his private lair, he, he's a guy, a scout, who said that Jake Locker should be the number one pick. So that's what we're working with. So Gruden's plan is, his master plan is to talk to Jake Locker out of retirement? Is that? You never know. I think, I think that's the takeaway. Maybe to be a pass rusher. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Raiders need to get stuff figured out for the second half. Uh, otherwise, Ryan's prediction is going to be right. They're going to go 0-16, and uh, Gruden's not going to get fired because Mark Davis can't afford to write him a check for $90 million to pay off the rest of that contract. By the way, how do we still have three games left? This is taking forever. Um, it's fine. So it's Sean's fault. Sean wouldn't stop talking about the Bears or Jimmy Garoppolo. Way to go, Sean. Just for that, you can tell us all about this Denver-Baltimore game that Baltimore won handily. So did I mention that I had Baltimore as a super contest pick? I feel like you should talk about the Ravens since they're your darling team. I love the Ravens. Two, uh, two and one now for the Ravens. If they stumbled against those pathetic Bengals two weeks ago, uh, or last week. And now the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Alex Collins finally getting it going. 18 carries, 68 yards and a touchdown. They limited Case Keenum to 192 yards and a pick. Um, I think Royce Freeman scored a touchdown, and this game was a little close. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had a, a one carry for a 35-yard touchdown, uh, but John Brown continued piling up yards, five catches, nine targets, 86 yards. Michael Crabtree, also a nice weapon. Joe Flacco, pretty good game, 25 of 40 for 277 and a touchdown. And then the defense played really well. I mean, I think that this Ravens team is really dangerous at home, and they're going to cough up a few – um, you know, maybe a few games on the road, but I, I think Baltimore is going to be involved in this AFC playoff race, whether it's in that division or whether it's in the, as a wild card for a while. Huge game coming up Sunday night, uh, against the, what the, uh, one, oh, two and one Steelers. Is that right, Ryan? Oh, I'm not looking ahead past Monday. They meet on Sunday night too. Next yeah. Sunday night. So Steelers are, Steelers are looking ahead on a primetime game to the Ravens. Oh, they're going to be, uh... Oh, what, oh, three and one by uh, a week from now? <laughs> I don't even want to be something. I've been trolling you about other work related things, so I don't want to troll you about the Steelers. Uh, n- neither is true. <laughs> uh, I do, well, I don't know why Joe Flacco's throwing the ball 40 times a game. Oh, I don't know. He threw it, uh, Ravens have, like, Ravens have three games in a row on the road coming up, by the way. Yeah, I mean, they, they do play well at home. Uh, we saw what happens when they travel. They don't, historically, they play terribly in Cincinnati, so maybe can, that's a one off, but, uh, I'm not sold on this team by by any stretch. Um, Crabtree had seven catches. I will say like the guys they got in the offseason, uh, John Brown, Mike Crabtree, and Willie Sneed are all contributing, which is something they never got from Brashad Perryman and, and sort of the scrubs they drafted who didn't pan out. So that's a good thing. But I don't know why um, Marty Morningwick is leaning so much on, on the pass game. You have Alex Collins. You have uh, Buck Allen. Uh, who is basically uh, in there just caring for one-yard touchdown runs, and he's doing it quite well. But, um, you know, I, I don't know how far the scene can go when Joe Flacco was a centerpiece of your offense. Historically, it has not worked out well for them. Maybe this year's different. I doubt it. But, uh, you know, when they hit the road, we'll see. There's a, Brian, there's a the yeah. Ravens have been to the red zone 12 times this season. How many touchdowns do you think they've scored? Buck Allen has a lot. Uh, I would say that Joe Flacco has 
two, and Buck Allen has like three. Five. The Ravens have scored twelve touchdowns Ugh, in twelve attempts. Like, NFL record for most red zone appearances, red zone trips to start the season with touchdowns. This team has been unstoppable inside the twenty yard line, and the scoreboard today was probably should have been even worse because one of the Broncos' touchdowns came after a blocked punt, and then they scored in like a forty yard drive following that. So I, yeah, I mean everything Brinson just said. This I don't know what's up with this offense. I don't know why it's good, uh, but it's unsustainable. Well. What what RJ, our editor, pointed out in Slack is that the Ravens actually have the best point differential in the AFC. A lot of that is due to going to Buffalo and beating up on the Bills. Uh, but I think what's important is that they're also 2-1 and one without Jimmy Smith, and they're going to get him back after week four. And I thought going into the season when you had Jimmy Smith get suspended, I thought that could have been a brutal blow. Even if they go 2-2 two and two without Jimmy Smith, just getting a player of that caliber back after four weeks, I think it's going to be huge for them. So... I made fun of Brenton at the beginning of the year for like picking the Ravens and picking the Steelers in the third, but I think they have as good of a chance as the Steelers or the Bengals. Oh, settle down. It's early. Good <laughs> Lord. Uh, fourth. Jimmy Smith, fourth. by the way, Jimmy Smith is the Mitch Trubisky of cornerbacks. Wait, you picked the Steelers to finish in fourth? No, I'm saying the, I'm saying I wish I had because I think it looks like the Steelers <laughs> are going to finish in fourth. Now. They're going to be 0-3 and 1 in a week. We've already established. I mean, look, the, 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 I, it's not a great division, but the Steelers might be terrible and, and the Ravens and Bengals might be decent. The Browns might be better than we think. The Steelers could finish in last. They're, they yeah. might trade Le'Veon Bell. If the Steelers finish in last place in the AFC North, do they fire Mike Tomlin? Well, no, they're not going to do that. I mean, here's the thing. I think there are questions to be asked about what Tomlin's doing in the locker room. But then you say that, and then you see sort of the, the Patriots no-show tonight. And, you know, no one's having that conversation about Belichick. And then you see uh, the Jaguars no-show. And, you know, you may say that about Doug Marone, but he's not going anywhere, obviously. So I think you can sort of point fingers around the league. And fans are frustrated. I get that. But I don't know who – Who's Plan B? Right. No, I'm, 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 I'm trolling you after I said I wouldn't troll you. That's all. I'm but doing. I do think the difference is the Patriots, like their star player, is not just skipping the first three weeks of the season, and uh, you know Gronk's not picking fights with media members like Antonio Brown. So there's definitely a little more drama you know going on, that? and they're going to trade Le'Veon Bell, aren't they, Wilson? Well, you know they're, you know they're not trading. But I think what's interesting about the Gronk thing is that so the Patriots have the same issues that every other team has, just that Belichick has such a clamp. Sort of a uh, um, the dictator of North Korea type clamp on what's going on there. You don't find out about it until six or seven months later. What's his name? Kim Jong. Just compare. Yeah, Kim Jong. Kim Jong. Yeah. Same here. If the Steelers can get a third round pick, they'd trade Le'Veon Bell, right? Well, I think if you hold on to him, you're going to get a third round pick anyway. But it's so the end, of, it's, end of the third round. Get a third round. Pick I think you the... want more than that. Um, it, you know, you start out, you start high and see what happens. But second round pick, you do it right now, right? But Le'Veon's got to sign the tender. He ain't going to do that unless well, whoever, he's guaranteed. Whoever trades for him is going to be willing to give him a contract. But Le'Veon needs to know that. And some team's going to pay him $16 million a year. But they still can't give it to him until January. Right, exactly. Right, so. there's complications. But so many complications. <laughs> what if the Steelers said, sign it, we've got the trade in place, and then he signed it, and then they didn't trade him? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Or that what if, or what if, or, we talk about. or what if, or what if they traded him for a second round pick and the new team had like a handshake agreement where he's going to do the deal? He's like, nah, I'm out. And just did peace on Yeah, like there's so many people who get screwed over in this situation yeah, yeah. and it would all be believable. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, the Baltimore top five defenses by points per game right now. Five, the Ravens 17 points per game. Titans fourth or, yeah, yeah, tied or, yeah, no. Yeah, Titans 4, 16.7. Washington Redskins, 14.7, tied with the Jaguars. And then number one, the Los Angeles Rams, who manhandled a poorly run 
Los Angeles Chargers club on on Sunday. I can't really put into words just how vast the gulf is in terms of coaching skill between Sean McVay and, and Anthony Lynn. And Anthony Lynn, again, probably a nice human. Um, he was down 15 points with five minutes to go. I think it's five minutes. Maybe it's like 12 minutes to go. It's like 12 minutes to go, but his team has given up 450 total yards. The Rams hadn't punted yet, and he decides to kick a field goal to get down 12. Like, get out of here, bro. Like, you don't, what are you doing here? Why are you functioning, like, functionally operating an NFL team if you think that's how you're going to win a game? You still love the Chargers. I know you didn't pick them, but this is anger that, like, Wilson usually has for the Steelers. Get out of my, get out of my head, Sean. (laughs) Get out of my head. Feels good to be a Chiefs fan. Tell you that much. You know what, Sean McVay? I would take him over probably thirty out of thirty-two other coaches. If I, if you gave me two equals teams and I had to have a coach to come up with a game plan to beat somebody else on even grounding, I would take McVay. Would you I trade? Mean, would we take him over Belichick? I said thirty out of thirty-two. Sean Marvin Lewis is the other one. Thank you. Would, <laughs> would you, if you were, if you were a Patriots fan, would you trade Bill Belichick for Sean McVay? Yes. No, I would need to know how much longer Belichick's coaching. If he's retiring next year or two, absolutely. If he's, he's sixty, got, what is he like sixty-two? Five, you get five years of Belichick. Like sixty-eight. You get five years of Belichick or thirty years of McVeigh. I'll take thirty years of McVeigh. Sean, let me ask you. Let me admit, ask you Sean, do you want to fire Bill Belichick? Do I want to fire Bill Belichick? <laughs> Why are we talking about this now? No, so, I, I wouldn't trade McVeigh for the Lions tonight. You wouldn't trade Belichick for McVeigh? No. Five years of Belichick, you do have five years of Belichick. If you're, if you're going to have this guarantee of Sean McVay's coaching for 30 years, then yes, you do it. But you don't Only have 30, not, not 25, it. though. So if the Rams and Chiefs are playing, I contend that the Rams win the game in the second half because the Chiefs are going to score 50 points in the first half. Is there any way the Chiefs beat the Rams on a neutral field? The Rams are the best team in football right now. But Pat Mahomes is not, not a bad quarterback. Pat Mahomes is great, and I think the Rams will have trouble stopping. Like, like the thing about the Chargers is they were able to play against this team, and I think the Chiefs would be fine scoring against them because the Chiefs can bulk up protection on the interior, and I'm not sure that Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters are very good matchups um, for Tyreek Hill and, uh, and and Sammy Watkins. And, who is? Who what? I said who is at this point. Right, right, right. But, I mean, like, like Keenan Allen was – not doing a ton of damage, but Mike Williams getting wide open on Marcus Peters. He was smoking Marcus Peters repeatedly, having a great game and looked fantastic. Um, I just think that, I mean, they're good cornerbacks, but I, I think that the strength, the strength of the Chiefs matches up for him. The problem is the Rams are just run roughshed through him. Todd Gurley looks exactly like he looked last year. He's having another incredible season. He can't be stopped. Uh, Jared Goff has gotten better. Robert Woods had a breakout game this week with uh, 10 catches for 104 yards, two touchdowns. Started him in DFS. Don't worry about it. Brandon Cook still managed seven catches, 90 yards. Gurley had 23 carries for 105 yards. I mean, this team is just loaded at every position except for outside linebacker, and they have enough on the interior to get after you. The Chargers screwed up a bunch of stuff. They they had a, a punt blocked. And, um, you know, Rivers, I don't know, I mean, the Chargers just do dumb stuff all the time, left and right, so I'm not surprised by it. But the Chargers should have covered here, but the Rams are the best team in football is my takeaway. I think the Chargers, are the Chargers going to have any fans left when they're in stadium opens? That's, that's fans, where I was going. Left, Go, Sean. That would imply wow. that you have fans now. Like, no, of course not. <laughs> 
I was going to say that I think the scariest thing about the Rams is I think Jared Goff looks better than he did last year. Last year, I thought it was a lot more just McVay creating open throws for him. And I watched that game, and it, he it wasn't – I don't think it was wide open throws. He was making difficult throws downfield. I think he has a very good internal clock in the pocket. Like, I think he manages pressure before it gets there very well. And I think the scary thing – he's not Patrick Mahomes – but I don't think quarterback is a liability at all. And I think last year you could have made the argument that if he's facing the Falcons against Matt Ryan, you might take Matt Ryan. And if Goff has taken the next step, like suddenly the Rams don't have a weakness on offense. 29 to 36, 354, three touchdowns and one pick. He looked, he looked pretty sharp. Yeah. If he looked, if he, and there's no reason to think he wouldn't take the next step. He took a giant leap last year in his, in his first season with McVay. Why wouldn't he take a, a big step in the second season with McVay? They have good protection. They run the ball effectively. They put them in a position to succeed. And, I mean, they got the Vikings coming up this week, so that's a good test for him. They play at the Seahawks after that and then at the Broncos. Um, those are three tough games. But now the 49ers matchup um, in, on the 21st of October doesn't look as hard. They get the Packers at home and then the Saints on the road. I mean, this is a, a rough six-game stretch for the Rams, but I don't see any reason why they don't go 4-2 and two at the absolute worst. Not to mention with Garoppolo going down, is right. the division a, is pretty much over. The division is, <clears throat> excuse me, the Seahawks could make things interesting, I guess. Oh, you're going to write off the Cardinals like that? I, I am. I am going to write off the Cardinals. And by the way, the Seahawks are our last game. Let's talk about that really quickly, and we'll get out of here. Boy, we're running long. It's fine. People like podcasts. Um, Seahawks beat up on the Cowboys. Cowboys are terrible, John. I can't believe you picked them to win the division. The Cowboys are... Horrible. If I knew their offense was going to be this bad. See, I'm going to give you my theory real quick in under 10 seconds. It is that uh, I was high. I was was high. high. Okay, that was half the theory, but I don't want to get thrown off the podcast. But the other half is that Ezekiel was suspended for six games last season. I thought if he comes back, plays all 16 games, that it was going to completely revamp their offense. What I didn't think was going to happen was that, uh, you know, it's such a one-dimensional offense that – I think the Cardinals defense could slow them down all the time. There's just, I'm, Dak Prescott has no one to throw to. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing anymore. Uh, he got sacked five times in the game. They just have no passing game whatsoever. And so teams can just load up and, and stop Zeke. And the Seahawks didn't even do that, but still the Cowboys offense was bad. So I would like to, uh, formally renounce my Cowboys winning the division pick. And, uh, in the future, I will announce whether I'm going with the Eagles or the Redskins, but I will need 24 hours to mull it over. About Zeke, like this isn't even Zeke, like what Breach was saying, this isn't Zeke's fault. He's actually having the best year of his career. Mike Clay tweeted out that he's averaging 5.7 yards per carry, which is the highest of his career. And he's on pace to total nearly 1500 rushing yards which would have led the league last year by more than 130 yards. Like, Zeke is not the problem there. The problem is they don't have a receiver. They should probably think about signing someone named Des Bryant. That's what? A joke. what? That's a joke. That's a joke, Ryan. This is the hottest, this is the the most fire you've brought into a podcast in a long time, Sean. Des Bryant or Mitch Trubisky, Sean. Would you trade Mitch Trubisky for Des Bryant? Would you trade Mitch, would you trade Mitch you know, Trubisky? Here's the thing, you don't have to, you don't have to trade for Des Bryant because he's sitting at home on Twitter. Would you Ooh, trade? Got you there. Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for Dak Prescott? No. Wow, really? I don't think Dak has looked that great. He did two years ago, though. When's the last time Trubisky looked good? Never. Ex- <laughs> Jeez, we put Sean in a corner. 
Never, he said. Sean's like, <laughs> you guys Sean's... act like I'm like this big Mitch Trubisky, like defender. You are. I, I'm not. I, I think it's crazy to write off a quarterback after three weeks. I think. It, so it the will... C- what should the Seahawks do with Earl Thomas? Should they extend him or trade him, Sean? I think they should extend him. They should cut him right now. I think if you get rid of him, you are committed to the long rebuild, and it doesn't seem like they want to do that. I mean, Pete Carroll is, what, the second oldest coach in the league? Does he really want to stick around for a rebuild? Maybe that's, like, the logical decision if you're thinking about the next 10 years, but if they want to compete, they can't get rid of Earl Thomas. I think that defense would be a disaster if he's not playing. With the Seahawks, I I think I will. You look at their schedule. You know, they got this win finally. They're not winless anymore. Four of their next five games are against teams that have a losing record. They're playing two 0-3 teams, the Cardinals and the Raiders. They've got the Lions. So, you know, this team, they looked horrible the first two weeks. But now all of a sudden it's like, hey, they're not out of it, and I kind of like them. I just thought you guys should know. I like the Seahawks now. I'm on the Seahawks bandwagon. I'm on the Seahawks as well. I wish I hadn't picked them to win the division, but I think they can still be a wild card contender. R.J. White, third name check on this very podcast. Good for him. Lucky, lucky you, R.J., uh, has got them winning the Super Bowl on a, on a 60-1 to bet. But not as good as my Ravens bet. I'm just going to say that. Anything else uh, you guys want to mention before we get out of here? Ryan's got to wake up in three hours. Yep. Got to use the bathroom, as I often do at 3 in the morning, and then get ready to work while you sleep. Sean has to go pray to his Mitchell Trubisky bobblehead. Is Ryan Ryan Tannehill bobblehead? (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully soon. Uh, All right, guys. Good stuff. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Rate, review, follow Sean J. Wagner at at Sean J. Wagner. Follow John Breach at John Breach. And follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson underscore... Oh, seven. Thanks, guys.